Welcome to Writer Spark Academy's Tips, Tricks, and the Craft of Writing. I'm Melissa Bourbon, and today we're talking about outlining while still writing by the seat of your pants with the talented mystery and suspense writer, Daryl Wood Gerber. So grab a cup of something tasty, settle in, and get ready to ignite your writer spark. Hi everyone, I am Melissa Bourbon with Writer Spark Academy and we are here with a craft chat. We're talking about outlining and also writing by the seat of your pants with best-selling author Daryl Wood Gerber. Welcome, so glad you're Thank here. You. Thank you, love to be here. So before we get started, um, why don't you tell us a little bit about what you write? I know you have several cozy mystery series and your most recent has a little magical thread and then you also have some standalone suspense. Right, exactly right. Um, so I started out writing the Cheese Shop Mysteries as Avery Ames. And then that blossomed into writing as my own name, Daryl Wood Gerber, for the Cookbook Nook Mysteries. Then I wrote the French Bistro Mysteries. Uh, I, I then sold the Fairy Garden Mysteries. Those are the ones with a little magical uh, twist that the next one comes out tomorrow. So yay. Oh, and, tomorrow. Awesome. Yeah, yeah very excited. And, uh, and then I've written some suspense. I started as a suspense author. Uh, but those weren't selling. And my first big kick was to be able to get a you know, work for hire at Berkeley doing the cheese shop mysteries. And those sort of launched my career. But my my heart was still in suspense, too. So um, I dusted off some books and I, I, I self-published, too. I am not happy with self-publishing. It is not my forte. Mm -hmm. I do to do all the background work of selling, selling, selling in that format. That said, I know it works for a lot of people and I did have them professionally edited. I made sure that they were the best work that I could possibly put out. They got good reviews, so I'm very happy with them and I'm glad that I did self-publish them. Uh, but I did another suspense series with a smaller publisher and that turned out real well and there's been nice dis distribution for that. So. Oh, that's great. That's great to hear. Yeah, I have a couple of self-published indie series and it is a whole different ballgame. You know, from the beginning, from the planning stages all the way through now it's written and it's out there. What do you do to get people to find it? It's it's a steep learning curve and it's kind of never ending in terms of work. <laughs> it's a steep learning curve. I, I did some YouTube things trying to really get it from this guy that was uh, British and he oh, he was just you know, gung-ho, this is the way to go. You'll make thousands of millions of dollars. And it's like, uh-huh. But uh -huh. that means every <laughs> single waking moment is put yeah. into the sell, sell, sell. And I would rather write, write, write. Yeah, well, good. We're glad that you write, write, write. I love all of your books, but I, I most recently have been reading The Fairy Garden Mysteries, which I just love the premise of. I just think they're so fun. And I love that magical thread of Fiona and, you know, not an overwhelming amount of magic to where, you know, she can do lots of interfering or anything like that. But just just the right amount for me. I think it's really a great balance. Thank you have to make rules when you do magic. Um, you have to make sure that your world, you know, you, you can't just go and have her find out the truth on her own. Right. Or go into it what someone is thinking. So, you know, there there were rules that I had to establish for the fairy world. And, and, and that was a lot of fun. Yeah. And I remember chatting with you on Book Warriors, which is our online book uh, group, when the first one came out and you have you were at that time creating fairy gardens in your right. own art. Are you still doing that? I still do that. Um, I, I do have too many. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so uh, but I really got into it. I, I really enjoyed 
you know, uh, getting the different figurines and coming up with little stories and, and the craft of it. You know, I'm, I, I used to sew, I don't anymore. I never did knit. Um, to, so to have, and, and I loved to giant garden, but now with shoulders and elbows and things and stuff, it was hard to keep the, the big garden going with everything I would like to do. Mm -hmm. So the smaller container gardening really worked for me. And then the magical side of it was just fun. Yeah, I love that. It was very inspiring. And I've started to create a few of my own as well. Okay. So that's cool. All yeah. right. So let's jump into our craft chat. Today, we're talking about outlining while also riding by the seat of your pants. So out, you know, there's there's really two camps of writers, right? People who outline and people who don't and just write as it comes. And you know, then there's the hybrid, I would consider myself a hybrid, I have a a basic outline, but then a lot of aha moments as I write. So um, yeah, so where do you fall in this? And then let's talk about that idea of outlining while also, you know, having that spontaneity. Well, you know, it's, it's so it's funny. When I first wrote, uh, I didn't write with an outline. And uh, those books were sort of all over the place for me, you mm -hmm. know, and, and so when I finally realized that when, when I started writing, I was writing screenplays. And screenplays have a very set structure. They really need to have a, a first act, a second act, a third act. They need to have their plot twists and everything else. I got that. But it, even that was not still giving me the structure that I wanted to have in my story. And I realized if I wrote an outline, which is it's real easy outline, if, but if I put in the outline and I put in who the victims were and who what their motives were and what their alibis were, what the, the lies were and when they had to be proven, that gave me more structure. So when I start my books now, I come up with the victim and I come up with four or five suspects, plus the one that we're gonna discard because we know she couldn't do it. Right. And, and all the reasons, the motives that they might have, what the lies are, and I, I make myself a list. You know, this is the person, this is what they look like, this is what they do, this is how old they are, this is their motive, their alibi, and then the resolution, you know, who proves, who witnesses something to say, oops, they lied. And that helped me slot those things into my outline. Now, that sounds formulaic, but what it does is it gives me a path. It's like, I think of outlining as a, um, as a roadmap. You're going from Los Angeles to New York. I have the same metaphor. Yes. Okay. <laughs> you can you take know, routes. <laughs> you know where you're going. You don't know the exact route you want to take, but you know you're going to get there in yeah. the end. You're not going to stop and say, ah, St. Louis is as far as I go. Right. So, so by doing that, I know what the beginning of my story is. I know what the end of my story is. I don't know my last chapter. My last chapter is a resolution of everything, but I know the climax and I know how I want my protagonist to find the, the solution. But, you know, you have to be a little flexible in the minute because when you're driving to New York, you could get to Nevada and say, oh, I really want to see Yellowstone. Wait, we're going to go this way for a little bit. And so that keeps my outline fluid. Mm -hmm. um, it, you know, you say your aha moments. I mean, you can get to something called the muddy middle, which are, you know, I can get those first 10 chapters written. I can even get those last five chapters written. But boy, that middle is where you have to really come up with the red herrings and with the clues and the twists and the turns so that you're, so it's just not too easy for your protagonist. Right. Those things I will slot in as I'm writing. 
and I'll put them into the outline to remind myself that I did put that in the book. That's an aha moment. You know, it, it's so the outline is is as structured as it can be, but I'm not going to write any more 30 chapters in an outline that are all specified what it is, because that can get flat. I you know, I couldn't even do it if I tried because my brain doesn't work that way. So I can't think of all those little details to slot into an outline ahead of time. I'm very much like you where I have a broad stroke look at things, maybe even less than you do, because I don't have all the red herrings and all the lies and all of that always worked out for our mysteries. Um, But I have a general idea And then as I'm writing, yeah, things come to me. People come to me, new characters, new situations that I never would have been able to come up with prior to the actual writing process. Right. Right. Well, for example, I'm writing a book right now and I got in there and 14 chapters in, a woman walked into the store and I went, who is she? Mm -hmm. And what are you doing? Because she basically was waving her hands going, excuse me, but I have to be in the book too. And I was like, oh, she's not in my She's not in my plan. Do I really want her there? Can I tell her, no, 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 it's my book. You have to leave. So those are the kinds of things it's like, well, let's let's let her come in and let's see if she's going to play out a story that I needed to play out. Maybe I was just a little too thin in a story and that's where she will flesh out that story. Um, but But again, I've got my chapters all set out to know that this is happening and this is happening. And if it really gets stale, I may go in and rip the whole thing apart and go, no, it's when we when I wrote screenplays, we storyboarded. Mm-hmm. And you, I put things on um, cue cards, you know, little three by five cards, pink, blue, yellow. They were all different colors. So if it was my main character, you know, they'd all be in pink. And if it was the secondary character, they'd all be in blue. And I put it up on a cork board. And then you could take those and go, OK, there are too many pinks in a row. There's too many blues in a row. Let's shuffle it up a little bit. We need humor here. We need a little such and such here. And so you would move the cards around until it starts to flow. And that's sort of what my outline feels like, is I've got all the ideas of what I want in the book. But but if if I were so rigid that I can't change it, then it's going to be a flat story. Mm-hmm. So I really do need beginning, middle, and end and all the characters that are going to pop up. I need to know their motives and alibis. Those are the things that are vital to me first. Okay. Yeah. So in terms of that outlining process then, how, how long does that take you and how easy or difficult is it for you to come up with the red herrings and the lies that people tell and the motives that other people might have? And then the killer, you know, we're writing mysteries, but, you know, this is applicable to any kind of novel, of course. But sure. how long does it take you and what is your process for, for you know, coming up with all of that outline information? So I try to give myself a full month to come up with my outline information. And then, like today, I've got two pages of my outline sitting on my kitchen table ready for me to rip them to shreds because <laughs> I've, I've come to a place where it's like, this is predictable. I'm sorry, you've got to change this. Something has to change. And sometimes that means putting it on the kitchen table or taking it with me on a walk until I can walk through it. But I'll give myself about a month, you know, because you're you're producing as many books as I am at this point. I give myself a month to outline and then I write it in three months. And then I set it aside while I work on another book and I'll come back to it about a month later and give myself two weeks to do a clean rewrite. 
No, all the time I'm rewriting as I write because whatever I wrote yesterday, I will read and tweak first today before I move on to the next chapter because otherwise that can be messy. Right. I, I, I was reading something a couple of weeks ago and I went, I wrote this scene already. That's chapter three and I'm in chapter 12. And I went, uh, that's not going to work. Did I freeze on you? No, but we have thunder going on right now. We have okay. a rainstorm. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, uh, so anyway, it was, it, it was, uh, it was very funny. It was like, I've done this scene. What, how did it get in earlier? And I think it was just, I moved my pink card around, you know, and said, oh, that scene. And I must have cut, copied and pasted and moved it to another chapter, but forgot to eliminate it from where it was in the book. That's funny. Isn't that funny? <laughs> yeah. And, and it was, it was just some clues that I wanted to lay in earlier than rather than later. Mm -hmm. uh, but I'll take the month and then I will write for three, three months. And then I set it aside so that it can just sort of get fresh. And then I do a clean rewrite. And then I will do two or three more rewrites on the clean rewrite. Mm -hmm. um, and that seems to be my process. So all in all, it probably takes six months, but it filters in with, oh, gee, I've got something from my editor that came back that needs editing. So this book has to be set aside for a, a week or two weeks while I do that. And that gives it time to, to brew. Percolate, yeah. Late, you know, because you know, I, I don't know about you, but I get all sorts of ideas at three o'clock in the morning and my yeah. dog's not happy because I'll take my cell phone out and I will make myself, a, you know, a note yeah. out loud, you know, a voice memo. Yeah. A voice memo, because that's the only way I'm going to remember what that brilliant idea was at three o'clock in the morning. Right. And then I'll go into my outline. It may just go someplace in my outline saying, remember to do this. In fact, my outline sheet is... Right now, it's almost 30 pages. Wow. It, has, it has notes. It has clothing. It has what locations I'm using. Um, and, and, and all the books that I mentioned, because in my cookbook, Nook Mysteries, I mentioned cookbooks. In Fairy Garden Mysteries, I mentioned, you know, different figurines and things like that. Maybe a book for the book club that they're doing. Plants and things. Recipes. There's a whole file that goes for recipes, food included in the books, because most of my books, my cozy mysteries have food in them. I'm a culinary mystery writer. Mm -hmm. so, so there are all the notes that are in the outline. And then there's the outline itself, which is a grid. I make a five column grid and the grid has the chapter, the next one. And this is almost what I used to do. This is sort of what I used to do when I was screenwriting. Uh, it has the chapter, it has the location, place and time. Then there's a, a column that has just the name of the characters that are in it. And then it has a wide column that is the action, hopefully getting down to two or three sentences. And so and you complete that before you start writing. I try to complete that before I start writing. Like so that's, I said. that's pretty thorough in yeah. the outline process. But that big wide section that says this is what happens, mm -hmm. yeah, it may change. So, okay. So if I'm <laughs> understanding you, then you might take the pink card and you know that you need this character in a certain amount of time. So you'll plot that character in, but not necessarily yeah. know what's going to happen with that character. You just know they yeah. need to be there. Yes, I, I know they need to be there because you have your set core people that, that you want surrounding your protagonist. Yep. So I have to look at it and say, how often is she interfacing with the, the police? Mm -hmm. Okay, let's slot the police into the outline 
okay. every couple of chapters. They may get pushed you know, from chapter 17 to chapter 19, but th they should be in the outline showing that there's balance. She has a relationship now in, in the cookbook nook mystery. She's married. Uh, she just got married in the last book. So now her husband needs to pop in a little more frequently. Can't just have him, you know, leave leave the book completely. Right. Um, in the fairy garden mysteries, I will have, you know, where is Fiona? I, I always have to write down where is Fiona because she goes off. Mm -hmm. you know, she'll go to the library. She'll go to her friends. She'll go get a, a, a seminar. And so I have to make sure that I know where she is. And did have we seen her lately? Because if we haven't seen her in six chapters, then it's no longer a fairy garden mystery because... Mm -hmm. You know, she's my sidekick, so she has to be there. Yeah. And, um, but, you know, how often do you have the person that works in the shop? How often do you have the one that the lady that runs the library? These are people that I keep, you know, putting into the story. I want to see where they are. So in my outline, at least by seeing the names, I can figure out, like I said, with my pink and blue cards, I can figure out where they are. Sometimes I'll even highlight those names so I can breeze through and just go, oh, all the yellows are balanced. It's it's just a way of balancing for me. Mm -hmm. And so when you talk about the turning points or, you know, and, and or the red herrings, are those, do you know, like, exactly what is happening with that? Or do you slot in, okay, I know there's a turning point of red herring that needs to be revealed here or something or clues, yeah. you know, but you don't know what the clues are necessarily. Maybe some you do, but maybe some you don't. Right. Because it is a surprise to me too. Sometimes you get through a book and you go, okay, this isn't very good. Can you rewrite it please? Cause you need some surprises in here. So those surprises may not be in the, the, um, in the outline, but you do need reversals. How come she went from this to that? So I may say, this is where the reversal has to be. And depending on how long I have the book, if it's about 30 chapters, around chapter 20 to 22, you need to have your reversal. You need to crank up the action. Um, you need to have somebody uh, uh, um, accused at the beginning. It used to be uh, when I was with Berkeley, um, they wanted it by the end of chapter three. Well, it's not always that easy by the end of chapter three. Sometimes there needs to be a little more life that goes on before you have a body drop and then have a suspect, you know. Yeah. I've so read several recently. Libby Klein's is one where it was after page 100 before the yeah. body was discovered. And then um, Diane Kelly has recently written one where it was the same. It was maybe around page 60, 70, 80, something like that. So, yeah. so it seems like that trend is maybe shifting a little bit. It, it may be shifting a little bit. I, I, I've had some readers that say, you know, I didn't get to know her enough before all of a sudden she was dead. Right. And like, okay. So, you know, it's, it's trying to give your audience a fair shot at knowing who these people are. But what else are you going to do to keep them active for those first 50 pages, 60 pages? And so what is it that drives the story that way? I'll put those into the outline. You know, this is a fun or this is a, you know, this is an event that we have to show all these characters being contentious. Um, they'll all fall into the outline. You've pretty much convinced me that I'm actually really a pantser. <laughs> well, but, but no, but see, you, you're an you're an outliner with pantsing qualities. Yeah, I have to say I probably am too when it comes down to it. But I couldn't write an entire book without having an outline that I'm gritting all the way through it because I w I wouldn't remember one day to the next. I really need to see it in clean form. So that I can refer to that even when I'm editing. 
I want to see what I've referred to. What day is this? Did I get the day right? Did I get the location? I'll sometimes look at my outline and say, you have seven scenes inside of three hours. That's not going to work. Fix the timeline. And so I'll make sure that as I write, I'll say, fix this Wednesday, fix this Thursday, Mm -hmm. knowing that I have to figure out, has she even gotten to the store today? You know, did she really have time to go from here to here to here to here? And it's only 10 a.m.? I don't think so. Yeah. That's where an outline really helps me. Yeah. Is it well, yeah, you're you're convincing me. I think I'm more of a pantser with maybe some outline elements, and it probably would make my process a little more streamlined if I spent a little bit more time gritting some of that information. So I don't know, maybe I'll give it a shot. <laughs> I, I think that's what happened for me, is it made it faster for me, mm-hmm. and I, I didn't feel lost, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and, and, and just it gives structure. And a little bit of structure, especially in mysteries, is required um, because you're trying to drive the plot forward. You're trying to get the whodunit solved. And your 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 readers for mystery are very plot-oriented people. Um, they want to see the clues coming. They want to see, you know, the suspects being rehashed. Um, and, I, and I when they get to the end and the truth is revealed, they want to be able to go back and see what they missed. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. So, you know, this is one of the things I love is you get down to, there's probably two suspects at the end. And then someone will go, oh, I guessed it. Yeah. Like, That's because <laughs> ruled out three or four of them for you. You were right. down to two. You he held a, your hand along the way. 50-50 chance that you got it by this time. Right. And, and it's funny, but then I'll always say, but did you know why? Because when you watch Murder, She Wrote, you know one of those guest stars is going to be a victim and one is going to be a suspect. Exactly. You know? Yeah. So, and, and the killer. And so you look at that and you go, but why? Why did they do it? And, and that's the thing that I like to drag out long enough is to really explain the motive at the end mm-hmm. and why that person was the reasonable choice for being the real killer. And you, you have that figured out before you start too? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. On the, on the other hand, see, I mean, there's always an on the other hand. Yeah. We're not in New York yet, are we? <laughs> um, so <laughs> to use the metaphor, um, because there are times I'll look at it and go, that's a weak motive. So if I change the motive, if I get to the end and I go, oh, it really needs to be stronger. I then have to go back through the book and lay the seeds of what, if I change the motive up the, you know, motivation, whatever it's, then I have to lay in those seeds so that you, again, the reader can say, oh yeah, you did show us that she didn't have a bank account. You know, you did show us that she couldn't use her credit card because something bounced. It, all those little things mm-hmm. that can say, oh, this is the one, you know, oh, it was, oh, she, she poisoned him. Oh, I get it with that. Oh, I didn't see that, but you did. You showed me a photo where she was walking amongst the, you know, yeah, the flowers that were poisonous, little things like that need to be seeded in. Mm-hmm. And if you do change the motive, you got to go back. And that's when I'll put those into the outline. I'll say, okay, we added the, the flowers here. We added the photograph here. We added the such and such here. Is that enough for them to have figured it out if they, if they wanted to try? Mm-hmm. So interesting. Uh, it, the, everybody's process is so different. You know, and I love hearing how sort of structured yours is. And then in comparison, mine is 
if not. <laughs> but, you know, we both write great books. So yeah, <laughs> this yeah. goes to show you, you don't have to follow a certain method. You have to figure out what works for you. Right. Open There's method. no right or wrong. I've got a number of friends that are just pantsers completely. I mean, they don't do any of this outlining. And then I've got another friend who's editor says he really wants a complete 30 chapter outline wow. before she gets to write page one and he wants it's 20 pages that she writes and it is a complete clean outline that i see more like writing a synopsis Do you yes yeah I, and i, I did hate i hate it too yeah <laughs> i did that recently because i have a new project that's being shopped for, with um, editors and, you know, I, I want to sell it on proposal with, you know, the 50 pages. I don't want to write the whole thing. Right. And so I had to come up with a pretty detailed synopsis. I would say synopsis rather than outline, but, right. um, but yeah, and that was a little challenging. It took quite yeah. a while. Yeah, it, it does, you know, and, and it, it's almost like, should I have written the book anyway? Because I know. Yeah. It, when you've written the synopsis and it's that detailed, you know, five to 10 pages, that's writing a full story. But it does tell you where you got holes. Yeah, and it does tell you where you need to go. It, I mean, it really does provide that roadmap knowing that, okay, you need to, to hit these elements before right. you get to the end. Yeah. Right. Exactly right. So do yeah. you write linearly or do you write out of order? I, I will. I've been known to write out of order. Um, because like I said, I, I know the beginning, I know the end. There are times I, I, I don't like the word um, uh, um, that, that you ever get stuck, okay? Mm -hmm. I, I will write the ending. Mm -hmm. I'll write a chapter. I'll write just the dialogue in a scene because I don't know where it's going to be set, but I know what clues I want to come out. Um, I'll just write the description of something one day because that's all I can come up with. The rest of it just isn't there. Yeah. And, but I, I always write something. So I could jump around. And again, this is a screenwriter in me. You yeah. can write this scene. You can write that scene. You just start putting them together. Uh, a couple of my friends use Scrivener. I have not used it. I don't think I, I do. need it. Okay. I because yes. I already write that way. I can write sections here and segments there and have this character's description over here and go pick it up. So that's how my files are organized on my computer. Um, but, but Scrivener seems to help people, you know, put this scene in here and here and here, and you can move it and, you know, block exactly. it around. Exactly. Yeah. And, and that's a really smart thing. Um, yeah. When I, you, I first started with just a Word doc, and then when I decided to take the leap and give Scrivener a try, it was very freeing for me because mm -hmm. it really did do something to my brain to let me be okay with writing out of order. Yeah. And yeah. then I can like earlier today, I was dragging a scene from the beginning to actually the end. Cause I was thinking, no, this has to come much, much later. Hmm. And you know, they have the left-hand column where your scenes are slotted. And for me, visually, it's just very easy to see them, how I label them and rearrange them. But then also, like you said, if I'm not feeling inspired to write this particular scene, which is chronologically next, I can easily jump down to something else that I have labeled. Okay, this needs to happen. I know what's going to happen in that scene. So I'm going to write right. that one. Yeah, exactly. I know what's going to happen in that scene it frees you up to, and gets your word count going. Yeah. You know, because I know what that is. So let me just write that. It'll slot in at some point. I know the interaction I want. I know the characters in it. 
And I think that that's very freeing. And and work Scrivener is like an outline. Then think about yeah. that. Yeah, you have created your scenes. That's work. That's your outline. Yeah, it's just, it's just a, it's just a yeah, different. Yeah, visual and not as detailed, but it certainly is a roadmap for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and so I think that's that's the best way to describe uh, not writing by the seat of your pants is you've got a roadmap. Yeah. Okay. You're, so yeah. let's talk about. Um, maybe two or three tips that you can give to writers who are trying to figure out, are they pantsers? Are they outliners? Are they some sort of in between, which I think probably most of us are. Yeah. Um, but what are a couple of tips that you can give people to kind of help them with their productivity or their process of outlining? Okay. So the, the main tip that I think is that before you even get started, number one, you need to know, I think you need to know who your victim is. Are they a good person or a bad person? Okay. Right. Um, because you, then that will help you decide who your suspects are. If they're a good person, what is it that, you know, they needed to, why did an evil person need to take a good person down? Yes. And I yeah. love that you say that because a lot of times my victims are not the bad guy. They're just in the wrong place at the wrong time or, you know, they're they're not necessarily your stereotypical, you know, victim who had to die. Right. Well, you know, it's it's like sometimes in, in your book's case, recent, recent book, you know, the father, it was a, it's a cold case. Yeah. And you know, and he's, he was a good guy. So who did it is, is now much more vital to, you know, whoever's solving it, if they loved the person. The yeah. other reason, you know, is you're solving it because you love the person who is accused. Yeah. You know, I, I think that that's where it comes to. But um, I, I've, I've killed a couple of good people and I've killed a lot of bad people. Yeah. Um, and, but I think you have to start with the victim and that will dictate where your story is going to go. And then I like to come up with three or four suspects and two or three witnesses. Um, the witnesses that can disprove somebody's alibi or prove somebody's alibi. Okay, so um, not a witness of the crime, but a witness yeah. to, right, to support. Wit wit yeah, witness to somebody else who, you know, at, at chapter 18, you say, oh, she couldn't have done it because I saw her running on the beach. Yeah. You know, it wasn't her. But, oh, why didn't you come forward? Because I was out of town. I just, mm -hmm. you know, I just got back and I didn't know anybody had died. It's that kind of, you know, the witness that comes forward to help corroborate something. Another witness who says, oh, I saw her at the bank. She was, she's lying. She needs money. Oh, okay. So that's another kind of witness. That's someone who can supply, you know, a little bit of clues. But the protagonist, so this is funny. I get uh, a number of people will say, you know, your protagonist it certainly is nosy. <laughs> go, yeah, because if you don't have a nosy protagonist, she's not going to do anything to solve the crime. Right. She has to be curious. and But she's always nosy for the right reason. You know, she is nosy because she wants to help somebody or solve something. It's not just because she's just nosy. Right. And, but I, I think it's so funny because in an amateur sleuth uh, situation, you need to have a reason to go investigate. And, yeah. you know, in a cop, in a cop mystery, in a, a detective mystery, they're hired to do the job. They're right. That's built in. in. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But but not in an amateur sleuth. So what's the reason? But those are the things I think are most important. Getting your suspect down and getting three or four suspects, excuse me, getting your victim down and getting three or four suspects with their motives, with their alibis, 
and and with their profession what is you know how are they related to this victim yeah that's that's the, just a great starting point for me and then the witnesses and then witnesses and and witnesses can pop up any place but i love to have a couple already drummed up at the very beginning and and usually they're the ones that i know are going to exonerate this person or that person yeah okay um, yeah Excellent tips. Thank you so much. So yeah. one um, last thing I wanted to talk about is when you are coming up with those potential motives for other people, do you, so, so my son was uh, an advertising major in college. Mm -hmm. He no longer does advertising, but that's what he majored in. And they had to do these projects where they were coming up with ad ideas and they had to come up with a hundred ideas. That was the assignment, come up with a hundred ideas because you know the first couple of course are the most obvious and you get more and more and more and more creative and interesting the f farther down you get. So do you, what's your process for coming up with those potential motives? Is it like, oh yeah, okay, he could have had an affair with her, so let's go with that. Or do you try and come up with, dig a little deeper and come up with something a little more original. Well, so so that's interesting. So I've got a uh, I've got a couple of pages that are just in my writing file uh, that have motives, and and they're they're general motives. You know, is it vengeance? Is it you know they were having an affair? Is it money? Is it you know a drug addict? Is it you know are you addicted to something? Right. And you put those in there, and then it's like okay, now that's a, that's a good starting point. And you can always start with that. Their motive was because they hated him because they took my job away from me. Mm -hmm. okay. But is that really it? And I think that is probably what changes the most when I write is, did I go deep enough for the motive so that number one, it's not so obvious. Mm -hmm. um, but number two, does it feel more real as opposed to cartoonish? Yeah. Um, so I'll get the motive down, but it may not be the motive that is, the end, mo you know, the ultimate motive for that particular character. And as you write, uh, for me anyway, and I imagine for you, uh, the characters become more real. And so it's much easier to devise depth to their motive or branch out, you know, with different reasons or, you know, supplementary motivations as we get to know these characters a little bit better. Right. I, I think that's true. You know, because as scenes come together, you go, God, he was miserable to that person. Why was he so terrible to her? And then you have to figure out why she would hate him so much. Well, because he's always treated her that way. He's always done this and this and this. And he belittles her in, in, in public. And so, oh, is that really the nugget of what her motive is as opposed to, gee, she needs money? Yeah. yeah. You know? It's, it's what is the underlying effects because not everybody is black and white for sure. And, and it's just much more fun to say, oh, you know, why do you really hate this person? Why yeah. would you hate them enough to kill them? Because that what it really has to come down to. We can tolerate an awful lot of hate. We can tolerate an awful lot of rejection and upset in our lives. What is it that drives you, compels you to kill that person? And how do we get four or five suspects to that level? Mm -hmm. They just didn't pull the trigger. Yeah. You know? Have you and ever written a villain? Well, uh, the killer who is sympathetic where it was accidental or unintended or, you know, mm -hmm. I've done that two or three times. And I love actually writing those kind of books because it yeah. is a twist. And to me, it's, it's very emotional when that happens, it it gives that emotional depth with this unexpected, uh, you know, 
justice that is sad in a way or, you know, explainable. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I, I've, I've, well, let's see, you've written 26, I've written 26. I would say there are probably at least six, six or seven that I've written that have been sympathetic killers. Mm -hmm. um, again, because they just couldn't help themselves. They were pushed right. to the extreme. This was just, this was it. I had to take care of this or I had to take care of this to protect so-and-so. That's mm -hmm. always an interesting, you know, uh, an interesting motive. Yes. Is, uh, you know, I mean, we don't get this a lot in cozies, but, um, you know, if I didn't kill him, my daughter would have da-da-da. You know, mm -hmm. so you did it to protect your family. You did it to do such a... That's, that's much more sympathetic than I did it because he's nasty. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, yeah, killing somebody is a giant leap forward from just hatred, right? <laughs> so yeah, it has exactly. to be really explainable. Yeah, yeah. And and that's why I love those last few chapters is when you can explain the whole backstory, why it happened. You know, mm -hmm. um, a friend of mine, uh, Krista Davis, writes, she, she writes seat of the pants, but she always writes down what the killer is doing at the same time as the protagonist is doing. Oh, interesting. So that she knows if Sophie is such and such, the killer is over here doing what? Because the killer is going to try to bamboozle. The kill killers are going to try to hide. The killer is going to try to be the nicest person on the planet so that you never think that person did it. And so she's gotten me into the habit of knowing where the killer is at all times. And so I will sometimes, I told you I had a fifth column. The fifth column will be clues and red herrings and where the killer is. I love that idea. So that is her form of outlining. So she's seated the pants, but like you said, she has some element of outlining. It just- you know, Yeah, I mean, yeah. I think I think as she writes the book, she starts, you know, she'll say, oh, Sophie was such and such, mm -hmm. and the killer was here. Okay. And so ultimately she probably ends up with a sketch of what she's written, but mm -hmm. she knows where the killer is at all times and what the killer's doing. And I, I just, I thought that was an excellent advice um, because, so there's another tip for you, um, because we need to know that they're trying to muddy the waters. Yeah. You know, they're trying yeah. to look innocent. They're trying to do something that could foil the protagonist. Right. To misdirect or thwart or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it sure wasn't me. You know, I saw so-and-so running from the scene, da 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 you know, yeah. was, I didn't see anybody. It was you, but, but you lied about that and then they can figure out, you know, it's, what what is the killer doing yeah. yeah okay wow these were such excellent tips for writing mysteries thank you daryl for spending some time with us and sharing these tips you're so prolific and you have so many wonderful series oh before we go tell us about the book that is coming out tomorrow oh a, a hint of mischief is the third fairy garden mystery and it drops tomorrow i'm very excited about it it is um I, i'm having such a good time writing this series and in each in each book Fiona, who is the sidekick sleuth fairy, uh, helps Courtney um, with a birthday party, an adult birthday party. And, and and all the while, I mean, Courtney matures, but Courtney is in her 30s. So she's, you know, a fully formed adult. But Fiona is young and she's trying to earn her adult fairy wings. And she was an imp, so she has to toe the line. And, and I think that it's uh, it's the development of Fiona that is pleasing everybody because she is maturing along with, her, you know, as she introduces all these humans to fairy world, yeah. um, she too is also maturing. So it's... Um, that's, that's great. So that's a whole nother topic we can talk about sometime is the, yeah. the development of your character so they don't remain stagnant. 
Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's we'll, hard. We'll, we'll pencil that one in. <laughs> Thank you so much for being here, Daryl. This is great. So if you're out there and you're writing mysteries, pay attention to Daryl's tips because they really, they're really, really excellent uh, in terms of figuring out how outlining and seat of the pants writing works for you. Come back for more tips, tricks, and the craft of writing with Writer Spark Academy's podcast. And learn more about our online courses at www.writersparkacademy.com. Thank you for listening, and until next time, happy writing.